recording in progress. Okay. Well, hello, hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of In Progress here with Redmond Presbyterian Church. I'm joined today by uh, my friend Ryan Pemberton. Uh, Ryan, welcome. Good to have you. Thanks so much, Austin. Good to be here with you. Been looking forward to this. Awesome. Ryan, uh, for those of you at Redmond Presbyterian Church, uh, Ryan should be a familiar voice. He is uh, uh, under care of our church as a, uh, an inquirer in the process of ordination. He has preached and taught several times, um, and we are lucky to, to get to learn with him and from him. And so, uh, again, Ryan, we're glad to have this conversation today. I, I mentioned in the intro that we'll be talking a little bit today about uh spiritual memoir or, or autobiography, and, and this is a topic that is is near to you. But um, before we dive into the deep end, uh, we're, we're having this conversation this morning on Zoom. I'm, I'm looking at uh, the background of your dining room there. You're coming to us uh, from Queen Anne today. And so one of the questions I like to ask people is, uh, what is a place that has been uh, special to you recently or a place that you're enjoying? Uh, the, the, the rationale behind our question is, uh, we care about our places and our our neighborhoods and our homes because these are the places where uh, God is at work in our stories. So whether it's a coffee shop or a favorite chair that you like to have your morning coffee in, what what what's a place that you're enjoying these days? Yeah, I I like the the local question because we're we're a lot of times we're meeting up from all sorts of different places or coming from all sorts of different places, right. even if we're in relatively close proximity, right? Um, I would say for me, Queen Anne neighborhood has been a really meaningful place lately. Um, All the flowers in the neighborhood are coming to bloom. So there's all sorts of gorgeous colors. Um, Also the scents are amazing. I just from a, a morning run and like the thing that I cannot record in any of my photos to share with folks is the smells, but it's, nice. it's just an extraordinary place. And, you know, with the, the spring weather shining through the trees, it, it really does feel Edenic in many ways right now. Also on a clear day, uh, when I'm running seventh Ave looking out across the, the sound and I can see the Olympic mountains, uh, that are still snow capped. It's just, it's some extraordinary views. Very cool. Feel like all of us over here and on the east side are now feeling like we have to take a, a field trip to, to clean in you're, do, do. we'll do good. a walking tour together there you go i love it well um again thank you for making time uh, this morning to to chat with us we um we are talking about this topic um that that, that parallels our current spring sermon series which we're calling finding ourselves in the story uh, as we look at scripture we want to understand how our own life stories and experiences connect with that. Uh, and that's just another way of, of entering into the conversation that, that we call uh, the, the art or the, the work of spiritual memoir, right? Narrating our own stories. Um, and we began the sermon series with a quote from a theologian that, that you and I both respect a great deal, Frederick Buechner. Um, and, and you utilized this quote uh, at the beginning of a, a class that you taught here at RPC. So it's, we're, we're all kind of borrowing this quote because I think it has a lot of uh, traction for what we're trying to talk about today and, and, and over the course of the spring. And, and the quote is this. I thought this kind of would also set us up well for our conversation this morning. Beatner writes, at its heart, most theology, like most fiction, is essentially autobiography. That is to say, 
I cannot talk about God or sin or grace, for example, without at the same time talking about those parts of my own experience where these ideas became real and compelling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I love that quote. Um, it's on its face. It, it, it makes sense, right? We, we are uh, beings with bodies and, and we walk through this world and we experience things, but at the same time, it's, it's a little different than, than what we're normally taught that knowledge of God comes through a, a book or a, a felt a flannel board and in Sunday school. And, and we learn these things almost academically, not experientially. So I'm, I'm curious to know for you, Ryan, where, where has this topic connected for you has drawn you in you, you are, I, I didn't mention this as I introduced you, uh, you're a published author. You've written a book, um, which I want you to tell us the, the title of, um, on this topic and shared some of your story. Uh, so how did you get to that place? What, what about this topic um, resonated with you? Yeah. I, and again, I appreciate your invitation to make this conversation local. Yeah. Um, so when I first encountered this quote, I was just starting a graduate degree in theology at Duke Divinity School. So I was in Durham, North Carolina, again, to make it local. Um, and I had never heard of Frederick Buechner before, let alone read Buechner. Um, but it was after a morning seminar, just a few of us were still lingering around the, you know, the, the table conversation as, as often happens. And for whatever reason, we were talking about spiritual memoir that morning. Um, and, you know, I happened to share that it was a favorite topic. And, and the instructor, the seminar instructor, said, well, uh, surely you read Frederick Buechner then? And I said, no, you know, I've, I've never heard that name, but I'm scratching it down immediately. And, um, and then a friend of mine who was also lingering around the table, Sarah, uh, she, she heard this and she said, oh, I, I love Frederick Buechner. I, I read him constantly. In fact, I have one of his, uh, I'll call it a devotional. It's sort of daily readings with Frederick Buechner. And I'll, I'll just photocopy some uh, pages for you and, and leave it with you. And she did. By the end of the day, it was in my mailbox. And I still have those photocopied uh, mm. pages from, from uh, Beekner's writing in my bag today. I, I always travel with it. Um, just immediately, uh, his writing resonated with me. And I found my same, myself saying, yes, this is it. This is what mm. I've been trying to say, looking for, you know, I came to Duke um, really because I encountered the work of narrative theology and Stanley Hauerwas uh, is writing in philosophical theology while I was still in England. So I was doing a degree in theology in England, very academic, very heady. And yet here was Stanley Hauerwas saying, we need to take story seriously because story is how we understand the world and ourselves in it. And I found that to resonate with me. I found that to be true. And so that led me to, to Duke. But Beekner personalized that and said, not only story, but our story, the story of our experience is how we understand ourselves, the world, and, and certainly of God as well. And, and as you described it, I had the same reaction. You know, these theologians I've been reading would be turning over in their grave if they heard this, uh, yeah. if they didn't just discount him entirely. But Beekner takes, I mean, Beekner is highly educated. He is very, very well read, incredibly intelligent. So he's not making this point flippantly. 
He's saying, and I was actually following along in the quote as you were reading in the, in the ellipsis, in between the ellipsis, he names these theologians. He says, Aquinas, Calvin, Bart, Tillich, which is to say from, you know, uh, all the way from Middle Ages to 20th century, if, right. you, if you really were to sit down with some of our most formative theologians who are working out their own systems, and if you keep asking them, yeah, but why are you doing this work? Yeah, but why? Eventually, they get to the point where they tell you a story from their own experience, maybe where they lost someone, maybe where they were lying in bed as a child and heard the crack of thunder. But all of these men, all of these writers, all of these theologians are eventually telling us the story of their lives when they get right down to it. That's the work of theology. And that was so pivotal and formative for my own understanding mm. of the work that I was wanting to do in this area. And again, at the time, I, I was writing a memoir, I, um, which eventually became published as uh, a, a memoir called Called, the, the title. And then the subtitle is My Journey to C.S. Lewis's House and Back Again. So it really mm. is a it's my story of leaving a, a job and business, uh, moving to England to pursue what I thought to be God's call in my life and how that experience unfolded and ended up uh, giving me a different understanding of calling and, uh, and how I came to work that out. That's awesome. So, so Beekner was really a, a pivotal voice in, in that time. You know, as as you're recounting your own story, and and then then of course those insights of of those theologians from yeah the fourth century to the to the twentieth and in twenty first, um, you know, I'm struck by the fact that that what you're that that notion that that God is at work in our story really is, um, unbeknownst to a lot of people, a, an important theological shift, right? That says, um that the God of the universe, the God of Israel, the God who we know through Jesus Christ in scripture is a God who is active in my yeah. life, in, yeah. in my circumstances, in, in my run on seventh Ave on, in yeah. Queen Anne, on my right. coffee this morning, like, as opposed to is, is disconnected is an intellectual ascent. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you think is along those lines, like if, if we go down that road, why is that such an important piece of our experience of God? Like why, why do we kind of crave, I love the way you said that, like drill down on any of those theologians and, and, you know, Calvin will give you the institutes mm -hmm. and Bart, his dogmatics and, and, you know, volumes of, of, of dense theology, but press them enough. And you're going to get a story of this is what happened, you know, yeah. in, in my life. Why do we need, you know, what, what is it about that that we crave so much? Well, I, I, there's, I think there's two different ways to go. There's the, there's the theological and there's the anthropological, right? Mm -hmm. So there's the, well, this is who God is in the Christian understanding. And then, well, this is the epistemological, this is how I interact with the world. And, and both of those are true. So in terms of the theological, you know, you actually, just as you were narrating that question, I noticed a connection between the work I was doing in England and the work I was doing in Durham, North Carolina that I hadn't noticed before. So I'm getting really excited, actually. I love it. So, so my thesis, my, my uh, thesis from my time in England was actually on C.S. Lewis and his relationship with pagan mythology pre and post Christian conversion, 
which maybe at first glance sounds like it has nothing to do with our conversation, but actually I just noticed something in, in this conversation. And, and so I was interested in how was he understanding the stories that the various world religions tell about gods before he became a Christian, really as this young uh, atheist. And then how was he understanding that relationship between all of these myths of the world and the Christian story after he had become a Christian? And, and the, the short answer is after he became a Christian, he said, these, these stories about the dying God who came back to life actually happened once in history in the Christian story. Yeah. And that's that's the story of the Gospels, that not not in, in an abstract sense, but in a local sense, under this particular ruler in this particular district with these particular people involved. None of the other stories around the world of these dying gods who came back to life, which there are many. And he did his work uh, right. to, to show there's a, there's an author uh, I think it's James Fraser is the name. He wrote this book at the turn of the 20th century called The Golden Bough, um, B-O-U-G-H. And it, and it tells the story of all these different world religions and myths. And, and his point is to say, so Christianity is just one among many of these sort of stories. Sure. But Lewis says, no, 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 this is an actual person who lived, died, and was raised back to life. And in him, we have hope that we don't have in any of mm -hmm. these stories so so for me actually now i'm seeing well that's that's precisely uh the work of spiritual memoir is to be honest about those stories of our experience of, mm -hmm. of the world of the god who meets us in the world in local neighborhoods um which is the work that i continue to do when i was in durham north carolina my thesis there was uh the theological precedent of mm. spiritual autobiography. And so mm. there I was trying to show, um, you know, why, why the God who reveals God's self in lived history is best understood yeah. according to the work of, of spiritual autobiography. So that's the theological response is, well, this is a God who reveals God's self in my experience. And and then the sort of anthropological or epistemological is, well, this is just how I know anything is by right. way of experience. So yeah. simply by me paying attention to the seemingly mundane details of my day-to-day -day life, I am more likely to be aware of and to encounter this God who mm. keeps showing up. Okay, so that right there, if I can jump in, is is the crux of my next question, which is why is this? I, I totally agree with everything you've just said there. There's the theological and then there's the anthropological or the epistemological. This, this is who I know God to be. And this is, you know, my experience of that God take one of those things away and, and you're left with either just a, a whole lot of head knowledge or, yes. you know, yes. just um, perhaps or something a little too, right. right. Yeah. Yep. And so my question is, okay, so we've established, I hope, that, that this notion of, of spiritual memoir um, is, is important. It's, it's, it brings us into an experience and an understanding of who God is. And yet, I would wager that for most of the people out there listening to this, for myself at times in my life, this has been, what would I say, challenging for people perhaps, but also not a 
a practice or a habit that is um, encouraged or, or um, you know, when you just said, how do we pay attention to the mundane details of our lives, right? The yeah, yeah. Sitting, in, sitting in traffic, the, the brief interaction with the, the person at the grocery store. Right. You know, at, on our best days, we might say, oh, you know, I, I was paying attention or, or whatever. But what is it about that that makes it difficult or counterintuitive or countercultural for us to look at those places and go, I met God today? in, you know, in, in, in the rhythms of my, mm-hmm. my comings and goings, but, you know, why, why is that challenging for us? Do you think? Oh, there's so many good reasons. So yeah. many valid reasons why that's challenging. One, we are overly busy. We are constantly distracted and there's so much noise. I, I think we are dealing as a species with more noise today than, than ever before in the history of our species. And mm-hmm. I, I, and I think that's something to really take seriously. We are more distracted today. Why? Because the technology, the tools available to us make money off of us being distracted. And they make a lot of money, which means that they are as good as they could possibly be and they're getting better by the day. Yeah. So the discipline then of paying attention, of not being distracted is harder than it has ever been. And yeah. I think we need we need models right? We need people in our lives who do that well. We need invitations to slow down, to pay attention. So, you know, I can, I can speak from my own story of, of a couple of ways that has gone for me. One, uh, models and invitations. So my grandfather um, growing up was a very dear uh, person to me, really meant as much to me as anyone in my life. Um, we would often talk in the evenings and one of his favorite things one of his favorite questions was just tell me about your day, Ryan. It doesn't have to be anything special. Just tell me about your day. And, and at this point, you know, he's, he's passed away now for probably four years ago. I wish I could ask him, was that for you or was that for me? And the more I sit with it, the more I think actually that was for me. Interesting. It, it was this invitation to, you know, I know you're really busy, Ryan, with work, with school, with the family, but what happened in your day? You know, and as a practice, I think that question has been really formative for me. Um, I, I think of so many authors I enjoy. Frederick Beekner, he says, really, the thing I've been trying to say in all my work at one point in this writing is pay attention, pay yeah. attention, listen to the story of your life and the mundane as well as the sensational, exceptional. What is the story of your life trying to say? Um, I think of David Foster Wallace, right? He, he, he has these very poignant accounts of driving in traffic, going to the grocery store, all these mundane realities that are just soul crushing at times. Yep. He says, but what if you were to pay attention to that cashier who's ringing you up? How might that change the trajectory of not just your day, but your life, right? Um, I think of my spiritual director, Susan Phillips, Dr. Susan Phillips, um, who wrote the book, The Cultivated Life, and yeah. who does a really, really powerful job of inviting me to slow down, to pause, to, to pay attention. And, you know, once a month, as we did yesterday, she invites me just to, to reflect on, you know, what, yeah. what, has been God, what has God been up to in the comings and goings of your days in ways that are, are really helpful for me. So that's not work I can do on my own. I need models. I need invitations. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you, you bring out that idea of this is not work you can do on your own. Cause I, you know, I think 
and we'll talk about this more in a second, you know, some people will hear this, you know, pay attention and, and, oh, they're going to tell me I need to journal and I'm not a journaler or, you know, or something like that. And, and, and there's good reason to talk about journaling perhaps, but I love the idea of the, that you highlighted that this is a communal act of, of narrating our lives. This isn't just, let me, you know, scroll down the, the days of my life kind of thing. I, I had a similar experience. I love that story about your, your grandfather. And, and as soon as you were talking about it, I had the, I, I flashed to a memory of um, a coach that I was meeting with, like a, a ministry coach. And we had been talking over the course of a year about different things. And, and on one day it was kind of, you know, six or seven months into our conversation. And I was like, gosh, you know, I just feel like spinning my wheels. We're kind of stuck on this thing. And she's like, look what you've done over the last six months. Like this mm-hmm. happened. And then, yeah. and, then this happened. Yeah. and and I just remember in that moment going, oh, like I, I would have never sat down and, and done that intentionally, like looked back and gone, oh, look at where, where we've come from. Look at what God has been doing. I was just, you know, kind of tunnel vision on what's right in front of me. What's the next thing. Um, so I love that, the, the way you, you brought that out, that, that we need each other. This mm-hmm. isn't just, when we think autobiography, it sounds very individual, you know, this is me telling my story, but how we need each other to, to help each other uh, see those stories and see what's going on. Yeah. And I think, sorry, if I can just uh, yeah, go. inject right there, Austin. And I think oftentimes that's a criticism that's uh, sort of made of memoir as a genre. Yeah. You know, it's navel gazing, it's self-indulgent, mm. but um, I've written in response to this and, and I, and I say repeatedly, I think that's a misunderstanding because could it, I mean, could it be that way? Certainly, sure. but, but at its best memoir, spiritual, spiritual autobiography is an opportunity for me to really pay attention to the truth of my own life and then to offer it to others so that through it, they might pay attention to God's revelation and presence and work in their own life, right? It becomes this sort of shared lens to attend to, God's persistent presence really in, in, in both of our experience, but, but it's not just this sort of me paying attention to the details of my own life as this sort of self-enclosed loop, right? right? It, yep. it really is meant to be stewarded in mm. this communal sense. Um, so I, I think that is a, a fear or a temptation or a critique, but I, I think ultimately it's a misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of that process of we are just fellow journeyers on the way kind of pointing one another you know to where the 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 next place you know the next meal is or the next place i i I like that sense of well and and to autobiography to bring some scripture into it the Mm -hmm. the, i was just preaching on the emmaus road encounter Mm -hmm. right and this is such a good example of well this is baked into our own faith tradition right you have these two disciples cleopas and the other disciple maybe it was mary his wife maybe it was someone else uh but but really they're paying attention to their own grief yeah. and their own trauma and their own sorrow and when they do that when they receive the this stranger that is suddenly when they recognize the resurrected lord's presence in their midst and the very first thing they do after that revelation happens is they have to tell that story to the rest of the community even though it means making that same seven mile journey back to in the dark yeah in the dark a dangerous journey presumably right Right. but they do it because they can't help 
but do it. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about right. autobiography at its best is when I pay attention to the details of my own life, trauma, grief, sadness, maybe excitement, maybe mm -hmm. gratitude. Well, yeah. I can't help but recognize God and then I can't help but share it with others. That's awesome. So let's go there. Like you, you and I had talked before we hit the, the record button about application. Like how do we how do we land this? I mean, th th this is ironic because this is about telling our own stories, about connecting with our our lives and our stories. And yet, the question is: at the end of this, how do we do that? Like, how how do we help people, um, you know, tell those stories? So we, we've talked about some of these things, like helping bring those things out in each other's stories. But but what other sorts of practices, um, you know, habits, places in in your life where you've seen this done well? Um, you know, practices or, or habits that have, have led to kind of meaningful reflection on some of this. Um, yeah. How, how do we, and, and maybe I would use the phrase, how do we take baby steps into this process? If, if someone's kind of brand new at um, paying attention to their life as, as God is present in it. Yeah. Well, I, and I think there, there are, you know, a number of different ways and, and none of them are one size fits all, right? Yeah. So it's really a matter of trying something on, seeing how it fits. If it doesn't fit, that's okay. I, really uh, quick, I love that so much because I think for a long time, I was always presented with, here is the answer. You have to journal 20 times, you know, 10 pages a day. And I was like, some days I'm really good at that. Some months I'm not, you know, so anyway, I love that as a starting point, not, not one size no, fits all. There's no, blue, there's no blueprint here. There's yeah. no panacea and, and there's no sense in feeling bad about it. Right. 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 <laughs> uh, that, is, that is part and parcel of what it means to be God's diverse created body. Right. right. Um, so a, a few things, you know, that I'll mention some, some, uh, work well for me. And I'll just say, I am a writer. I do enjoy writing. Um, and so for me, journaling, paying attention in that way, I have found to be really helpful. Uh, yeah. you know, one of my favorite things to do is, is to, is to write articles that somehow tap into my own recent local experience and then that tap into some sort of an idea or question that is going on in the wider conversation of culture at the moment. And so that's something that, you know, I, I do quite often because that works for me. Mm -hmm. So it's an act of journaling and then, and then sharing in, in that way. Um, and also it's just a really good discipline for me. So while I was in Oxford, I was writing every day. So even mm -hmm. as as a grad student who was producing, you know, three to 6,000 words, essays every week, I'm yeah. still, you know, stopping at 1am <laughs> to write my own day just to pay attention because that for me was uh, nourishing and it kept me going. Now that's not for everyone. That's a very small percentage of the population, but that's one way. Just and can I, can I ask, how would you write that? You know, like if someone said, okay, so you know, eight o'clock, I ate breakfast, yeah. eight 30, you know, like what, like, what would you focus on? What came yeah. out for you? You know, what felt like it needed to be written down and, and what, you know, how, how did you tackle that or, or go yeah. about that? Yeah. No, I love the mechanical question, right? Yeah. Because it's such a personal experience. It's just something right. I do that I don't think about other people not doing it. Uh, at the time I was trying to be really intentional about capturing it. So what I would do is I would just take phone, take notes on my phone. Hmm. So like I, I had this encounter where I experienced someone eating a sandwich sitting on the steps and that picture stayed with me. What was going on in that moment? Right. So I'll just take a note of that in this very skeletal way. Maybe I'll yeah. have three sort of 
pictures through the day. And then when I finally sit down to ride at night, maybe it's 10 PM when I've gotten everything else done and I can sort of be, be uh, present to these writings, then I'll just write into it. And I'll really do my best to, to just be honest about what was happening without any sort of uh, translation or uh, judgment on, but just trying to paint that picture. What was that scene? And then after I have that down, then I'll come back and say, but why was that resonating with me? What was it about that scene? So then I'll add some sort of personal element to it. So again, maybe it's, you know, this, this picture of this person, maybe it's a, a conversation I had, maybe it's a question someone asked to me that I didn't want to lose. And then I'll, I'll write it. And it, you know, for me, that doesn't have to be a lot, mm. but um, you know, maybe it's a paragraph description and a paragraph interpretation or sort of application for myself. So I'll take notes throughout the day. Otherwise I will lose them. Uh, yeah. I, I had a friend ask me after reading my book, how in the world do you tell such detailed <laughs> accounts of these experiences? And I, the thing I, I laughed because I, I actually have a really terrible memory, I think personally, but if I'm, but if I'm diligent to sort of write them down initially, then I can go back to that moment and say, okay, this is what I remember about. So just that. taking note at the, at the time. I love that. It reminds me of, um, had a therapist once tell me to like record dreams. And I was like, how do you do that? You know, you have those vivid dreams and then you wake up and 10 minutes later, yes. you're like, I don't. And so he would, he would say, if you wake up, just have a piece of paper and pencil yeah. by your bed and just scribble. And so you'd wake up and you'd see like snowball older brother, you know, and like <laughs> they make, but they would, they would pull those memories back from. Uh-huh. So I, I hear what you're saying. Like, you know, if you see somebody eating a sandwich on the sidewalk, you just write down sandwich and yeah, yeah later in yeah. the day. You, okay. I, I like that. Yeah. Anne Lamont, a writer who I also really appreciate. Uh, she does, she says the same thing. She always hmm. keeps a notepad by her bed because inevitably at 2 a.m. that's when her best writing ideas come yeah, to her. But she doesn't want to, you know, ruin her night's sleep. So she <laughs> jot down a note. And then when she sits yeah, on it, you know, whatever, 7 a.m., 8 a.m. in the morning, then yeah. she can go back to it. Yeah. So other than journaling, like what other practices yeah, or, yeah, or what things kind of mm-hmm. come up that have, have been meaningful? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when I was in uh, Berkeley doing university ministries, I, I had the opportunity to take an Ignatian spirituality class with uh, Dr. Susan Phillips, who's now my my spiritual director. And that was entirely new to me. I had zero background in this area. And uh, Ignatian spirituality uh, includes uh, the practice of the examine. So a sort of reflection on, on your day, or even you can stretch it out right over the past week. And, and that includes uh, at least two movements, right? Uh, reflecting on mo- uh, moments of uh, desolation. So what are those moments of, of grief or challenge or, you know, uh, frustration? What was going on there? Take, take note of those. And then also moments of consolation. What were those good moments, those moments that uh, resulted in gratitude in, in me or, uh, or joy, maybe just yeah. paying attention to those. And so the examine has, uh, has been a really helpful exercise for me to do just that. And is that something I do every day? No. Is that something I do every week even? No, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. when I do it, and again, it, you know, this doesn't have to be a long exercise, maybe five minutes at the yeah. end of the day or five minutes once a week. I just, I find myself feeling better. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I can't explain that exactly, but I, yeah. but I think it is just this, partly it's, it's how we're designed to be. We were designed to, to pay attention to our lives in such a way that, um, and 
you know, those are moments where it almost feels like taking a good shower. Like I'm just cleansed. I just feel yeah. relieved in a way. Um, Did Ignatius write the, like come up with the exam as, as a, a before bedtime practice? Was it, was it his initial thought that it was like, this is the last five minutes of your day or yeah, you, I know, know you can do it anytime you can wake I up. Was just, I was just having this conversation with, uh, with Susan yesterday, my spiritual director. Sorry. Yeah. I'm just giving all the credit to her, but Sorry. um you know, I was mentioning that, you know, for me right now, my discipline has been in the morning. Yeah. I read, I have a time of silence, and then I pray over the day and go into the day. And again, not every day, but that's that's how it's designed to be for me. But what I've found actually is that because the the sort of to-do list of the day is pressing in on me yeah. at that I, it's, it's, I've found that I'm more likely to be distracted at the point. So what I want to do and, and try out for a while now is to, to do that time, that silent examine um at the end of the day and see if yeah. that's better when i have most of the to-do list off my plate and i'm just a little bit more present like i said for me writing happens better at the end of the day when i don't have all those demands pressing in so i think the examine will be better and and all that to say that susan was saying yeah i think most people find that the examine is is better at the yeah, end right. of the day, whether it was designed or or to be then or not right. yeah um, I'm, I'm not sure but yeah that's great. For those of you listening, if you want to find more about uh, the examine or Ignatian spirituality, easy things to to search online, or or um, if I am tech savvy enough, I'll figure out a way to put them in the notes of the episode. But um, the examine prayer is not uh, what Ryan described is kind of the the outline, and you'll find lots of examine prayers kind of structured in around that consolation mm-hmm. and desolation theme. And um, yeah, it's um, I, I I I'm with you. I I have found that to be um, not all the time, but at, at certain times in my life, a really helpful practice. There was even a, a period of a couple of years where um, during my uh, doctoral program, we would do that together as a cohort of, of eight, seven or eight students. We would um, finish our, we would only meet together in person, you know, for classes for a couple of weeks a year. And, uh, and, and that was a part of our, our routine is when we were together, we would finish the the day with kind of going through the exam together. And I, and I found that time to be very rich and, and encouraging. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I agree. And, and maybe just one more application to make it just yeah. much easier, much lower bar. Maybe it's, you know, going back to this uh, example of my grandfather's mm. nightly phone calls, you know, who Love is it, it in your life who you can just ask, Hey, tell me about your day. Whether it's a child, whether it's a parent or a grandparent or a partner or a sibling or a friend, who in your life might you ask that question and might you invite them to ask that question of you? You know what is subtle in that question that I love that I feel like I have to point out is if anyone listening to this has young children and and Ryan and I both do, you ask a kid, how was your day? And the response will inevitably be one to two words. Good. Good. It was fine, you know, whatever, but tell me about your day. So different than how it's not qualitative. How was your day that tell me about your day? There's something so unhurried and, and beautiful about that, that just, yeah, I I just want to hear about your day. Like just tell. So I, I think that's awesome. I like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Well, Ryan, this has been uh, wonderful. I've, I've enjoyed, um, you know, this is, Really, what I wanted, uh, in some ways, for our very first sermon in the series of of this finding ourselves in the story, uh, to be this, you know, to to 
even before we jumped into scripture to say, why is it that we want to pay attention to our lives? Because, um, you know, at, at our, at our core, we, we believe, and we confess that, that God is at work in our lives in, in, in the places that, that we move throughout the day. Um, and, and, and while we believe that to be true, being attentive to it is, is a part of the work that we are invited to do, right? Like, and, and we can, we can miss those things. And, and that doesn't mean that God loves us any less or God is any less present, but, but the invitation is to, to, to notice and to, to participate. And so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Maybe one closing thought, uh, Annie Dillard, another writer in, in this area whose work I really appreciate. She, she has this quote, something along the lines of beauty and grace will happen, whether we are there to experience it or not. The least we can do is pay attention. Ooh. That's great. That's Annie Dillard, you said? Yeah. So good. Well, that's uh, as good a place as any to uh, to leave it. So again, thank you everyone for uh, being with us and, and continue to join us on Sundays at RPC to, to continue paying attention to our stories uh, throughout scripture. And, and um, if you're so inclined, we'd always love to hear your thoughts on uh, these practices we described or ways that you're finding uh, got at work in your life and, and, and practices that have been meaningful to you. It's always fun when this uh, conversation extends beyond uh, the podcast itself. So again, Ryan, thanks so much. Hope you have a good rest of your day and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Austin. Really enjoyed the conversation. All right. See y'all later.